Hey, this is Coach Shea with Alpha Girl Soccer Academy, and welcome to the Alpha Girl Soccer Podcast Show, where we aim to inspire, empower, and positively impact female athletes. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. On today's episode, I had the honor of interviewing Yael Averbush, who is the creator of Techni Football. Yael had an amazing college career at UNC where she won two national championships, set an NCAA record with 105 consecutive starts, and scored the fastest goal in women's collegiate soccer history. Her college jersey, number 17, was retired after her last season at UNC. After her sophomore season of college in 2007, she got her first cap with the U.S. women's national team against England at the Four Nations Tournament in China. She then went on to play professionally for Sky Blue FC, Western New York Flash, Washington Spirit, Kansas City FC, and Seattle Reign. She started her own business while playing professionally called Techni Football, which is a training app designed to help players form an individual relationship with the ball like she has over the years. She also started the NWSL Players Association, which she currently oversees as the executive director. All right, I know you're going to love this episode. So settle in, get ready to take notes, and enjoy. Hi, Yael. Thanks so much for coming on today. Uh, so excited to talk to you, and I've had you on my list for a long time. So thanks again for taking time out of your day to come on. Of course. I'm excited for the conversation. Awesome. So before we kind of get into all the fun stuff today, um, I know most people listening already know who you are and know what you're all about, but if you just want to give my listeners a little bit more about you and Techni Football. Yeah, sure. So uh, I'm originally from New Jersey, which is uh, where I live now. Um, grew up playing soccer here and had the dream from a very young age of being a professional soccer player. I uh, went on to play college soccer at the University of North Carolina and then had a 10-year professional playing career where I played all over the U.S. and uh, some time internationally as well. So really full experience playing a lot of places, uh, including some time with the U.S. women's national team, which I'm really proud of. And fast forward to today, I actually had to step away from playing uh, due to some health issues, unfortunately, um, but still very involved in the game, working with the NWSL Players Association. And then also um, I started my own business a few years ago while I was playing professionally called Techni Football, which is an individual training app to help guide players in their training. Awesome. So what was it, what was it like playing professionally and starting your own business? What was that experience like? Yeah, I always tell people I had no idea what I was getting into. Um, if I knew what it meant to start a business, I probably wouldn't have done it. So I'm glad I didn't know. Um, but yeah, I kind of like had in my head that uh, I had this grand vision for what I was going to offer. But in my mind, it was just going to be this like easy side project kind of thing. Like, I don't know why I thought that was even possible. So um, very quickly, though, like it was, you know, it, it could have been as many hours as I could possibly spend on it. There was never, uh, I was never done with the work. So I was, it was very comfortable to like, I had the flexibility while I was playing to still work really hard on it. But certainly since I stopped playing, it has become very full-time and like full-time plus. So yeah. yeah absolutely. So uh, we'll, we'll get into techni and, and that kind of things a little bit later on. But what was your experience like? And I don't know a lot about the selection process for the national team, but I'm very curious to kind of see what was your experience like with getting called up to the national team? Yeah, so really it's an ongoing tryout process at all times. Um, and that's what I think people kind of don't understand. They think like you make the national team, but you never really essentially make the team like for good. 
So it's always a tryout process. And there's a number of ways that players can get seen. Like I was kind of on the radar because I played on a lot of the youth national teams. And then in college, I was on one of you know, the top college teams at the time. So I had that visibility. And then in starting my pro career uh, in the US, you know, I was playing with and against national team players. So in all of those ways, I was being seen and would get invited into training camps. And basically, you go, you get invited to a training camp if you're on their radar, and you can get invited from anywhere, like players can be seen at any point to get invited to a training camp. And then basically, if you do well at that, you can have the opportunity to make a roster for a tournament or, you know, a more major tournament, like the ones we see um on tv but actually my first tournament i made the roster for was in china um in 2007 so it was quite an experience um like i i think i was probably in a daze for half of it because i was just <laughs> so overwhelmed with everything going on but yeah so that was kind of my experience in terms of how i initially got identified but i actually never really like solidified my spot in the way i w- would have liked to mm-hmm. For sure. How old were you when you first got selected to, to play up? Yeah, so I was a sophomore in college when I went to that first training camp and then got selected for the roster to go to China. And then there was some time between that. It wasn't like I was then invited to every single thing. There was some time where I wasn't involved and I would get invited in for a little bit. Then I was cut and invited back in. And so for me, it was like an ongoing, like literally an ongoing tryout when I say that. Yeah. So how were you able, cause you were still in college. So how are you able to balance that with the national team duties? Yeah. I mean, there's a challenge, but I think, you know, for college athletes, you get used to missing class and, and still doing your work remotely and figuring out what you need to do. So uh, it was always part of my school experience that I had to talk to the teacher, let them know when I was going to be away, do exams remotely with someone monitoring it, like all those things that I think were pretty normal for me and the other players who were going through it. So um, I don't really remember it being too much of a big deal. But that being said, I think it probably was annoying to the professors and everyone back at school. <laughs> Yeah, they're like, oh, she's she's gone again. Yeah, you're like on their on their bad list. No. Yeah. <laughs> so, what was your? I guess what was the main difference between the national level and the pro level? Um, you know, I think it's kind of similar to when you take a step up from college to professional, mm-hmm. and yeah. then professional to the national team. Is that there's just every single player. You know, you have some college players who. Uh, are very talented but are not that serious or have like pretty serious weaknesses in their game or you know are still making it at that level just because there's a lot of college players out there playing to, yeah. for top college programs and then you get to the professional level and there's significantly fewer players who make it so if you take the top um, hundred college players mm-hmm. and then put them at the professional level and add in some of the best internationals in the world I mean you're really narrowing the pyramid kind of and then with the national team again you're narrowing the pyramid so you're taking the best of the best from the professional level and especially with the U.S. women's national team you're getting the best of the best in the world so I would say that the big thing that struck me is that everybody at that level is the best in the world at what they do like hands down not not like one of the best in the country mm-hmm. they are the best in the world at one or two maybe three things and then everything else uh they're very proficient at like no one's perfect everyone has their weaknesses but the things that the players are good at they are so good at and that's what gets people i think to that top top level absolutely so obviously you've played and you are one have been one of the best players in the world and who would you say on the national team really like with some that, someone that you look up to and maybe someone that kind of took you under their wing as a young player um, joining the team? 
Yeah. Wow. So there were a number of, I, I think the, the team has a really interesting and cool culture in terms of that. Like it's very ruthlessly competitive, but at the same time, um, there is the, like everyone's looking out for one another and especially, you know, the young players. And I, I can't remember too many specifics, but I did get some really good advice when I first started going in with the national team. And I forget who told me this, but at the time, um, the, some of the center midfielders were like Shannon Box, Angela Hughes, Carly Lloyd uh, was, was there. And so um, those were kind of the players who I was competing against to try to make the team. But at the same time, like they were supportive in terms of trying to make sure everyone felt comfortable in the environment because it really, it helps the team if everybody can be their best. There's no Absolutely. need to, um, to like be competitive in the bad way. I think the comp competition was really positive, but somebody told me when I first went into a camp is like, don't shy away, like go for it. Basically don't shy away. Don't be scared to make mistakes. Like go all out. Cause one, you never know if you're going to get the chance again, but also like you have nothing to lose your first time. There's nothing you could do that would be wrong. But if you can somehow show the value you do have to add to the group, that's hugely important. So I think that's what it is. It's not about not making mistakes. It's about showing like, what is your one thing you do well that maybe can add to the group of all of these amazing women who do everything so well. Yeah, I love that. So what would you say, and this might be a hard thing to peg, but what would you say your biggest success as our player was, whether it was college, pro, national level? Ooh, um, for me, I think uh, I, I was always really, this is an interesting one because I was always really proud of my longevity as a player. Like I played for a lot of years and really um, knock on wood, but like was fairly healthy in terms of not getting injured. Like all the things that players normally hurt, your knees, ankles, like all of that was intact for me. I now kind of say it's a little ironic because I did have to step away because I have, I have something called ulcerative colitis. It's a digestive yeah. thing, kind of like Crohn's disease. And hopefully mm -hmm. no one listening actually has personal experience of it. But, um, but so now I'm like, oh, well, now that I say I had this longevity and I had to step away, but really I think um, for me, like all through college and for the majority of my professional career, I was able to stay healthy and continue to get better throughout my career. And I think that is one thing I'm really proud of, like above winning any championship or making any team, I'm obviously really proud of my appearances with the national team. And that's something that like everyone dreams of. But for me, the fact that I think up until literally my last season I was playing pro, I, I felt like I was getting significantly better still. And that was something that was really important to me. That's awesome. Yeah. I love that, that you said it's not about like the wins and and the successes of making it to the top, but kind of how you developed and how you, you know, stayed consistent throughout that time. So that's really cool. Um, so no, then it's really I'm, true. Like people, yeah. sorry, but people always, you know, it seems like people kind of BS when they say that, like, well, it's not about that, but it's true. It's like you win a championship and not that you're not excited and happy, but then you get out there the next day and it's the same thing again. So it's like, those things are important, but I literally remember feeling like that after winning something big, I would like, the next day wake up and be like okay well that's over now we now have to do something else another challenge so it really does um end up being more about the big picture i think than those like little moments absolutely i love that so then on the flip side what would you say your biggest failure as a player was Ooh, um well i have many i could list <laughs> i actually um i feel and i i share this more now that i've kind of had a little separation time but I, I had some goals that I certainly did not meet. Like I wanted to make an Olympic team and a World Cup team. Um, I definitely wanted to solidify my spot on the national team more than I was able. And I actually feel like um, 
I, I didn't ever really feel that satisfied with my professional career and, and what I did at the national team level. I think I wasn't quite able to translate a lot of the technical skills and skills that I had learned over the years and, and um, were able to use in like small-sided type environments and environments when I played with boys and men. I wasn't ever able to really translate them properly, I think, to the professional level. And so I personally feel that I fell short of what I would have expected from myself as a professional player and in terms of with the national team. I mean, that's hard to say because I think I might have felt like that no matter what what panned out. But I, at the time in which I had to stop playing because of my illness, I felt like I was still getting better and like something was starting to click. So it was kind of an unfortunate time. I was still an older player. Like I didn't have that much time left realistically. But <laughs> I think if I had a few more years, I was still like seeking something in terms of my personal development that I never quite attained. Okay. And then going along with personal development and how much would you say you trained on your own to really get to the highest level, like as a kid, as a high school player, as a college player? Yeah. So I think, you know, people often ask that, like, how much do you need to train on your own? And I think what it's really important for players to understand is that it's a cumulative effect. So throughout my time as a player, I trained thousands and thousands of hours on my own, but I was never doing anything that felt so extreme. I wasn't, mm -hmm. I never went out and we trained for four hours or something like that on a day. It was always 45 minutes here, an hour and a half there when I didn't have training, uh, an off season summer away from college every day, working on things on my own. That's when I put in a lot of hours because in college you have that like long off season time. Mm -hmm. But really um, throughout the rest of my career, if it wasn't an off season, it was just those little 15 minutes here before training, 30 minutes of long balls after training, like those kind of things that really add up over the years. So um, I certainly spent a, a lot, a lot of time on my own again, striking the ball against a schoolyard wall, juggling, dribbling, doing all those things. But I think it's misleading because people think like, oh, it's overwhelming. I have to go out and do hours and hours of work. You do, but over hopefully over 20 years of time in a career. And I think that's what... Um, what is most important, the consistency over time. Yeah. And I think that the consistency is really what separates the average players from the best players and anything in life, whether it's a business or whatever you're trying to achieve, it's all about consistency. So I, I yeah. love that you said that it's not about going out there and training for four hours here and there. It's, it's just putting in the small, the small steps consistently. So thank you for that. So kind of moving on to technique football and, and kind of player development. First question I have for you regarding that is what inspired you to start technique football? Yeah, so I, I always was interested in sharing, you know, I, like I said, all those hours I spent on my own over the years, like that was inspired by coaches and mentors who showed me like, okay, here's how you strike the ball properly, or you want to be a pro? Well, you got to learn to juggle. And here's a, here's, okay, now you can juggle comfortably. No, now here's a challenge. So like use different surfaces. Like there was always something I was being shown or coming up with that left me like there was, if I go out with the ball on my own, I could think of literally hundreds of things to do and everything I think of to do, like it spins off into three more ideas. Like, well, what if I do it with the outside of my foot? Or what if I then back up and do the same thing? And so um, I think for me, I've always enjoyed sharing those ideas because I feel like I've been fortunate to have people help me think creatively about ways to get better on my own. And it's a super empowering part of the process of anything you do in life is to feel like you can go away, whether you've been successful or not, go away and get better on your own and then come back to the group and like have improved more than other people maybe. Um, so for me, 
Technique football is all about sharing that experience. One, the ideas of actually like what to do in your training so that you don't go out and do the same thing every time. If you want to spend those hours, it takes a lot of creativity to come up with exciting things to do to fill the amount of time you need to spend with the ball over the years. Um, and then from that, kind of helping players to embark on the process that I feel like I was really fortunate to have been set off on is that, that process of mastery and understanding like learning skills and feeling them click and then fine tuning them over time. And so for me, I've always enjoyed training, training videos, whether it's on YouTube, social media and technique is my way of kind of pulling it all together into a resource that teaches players how to learn the right skills, but also like how to learn and how to get better on their own. Absolutely. And how long did it take you to develop the app? Yeah. So I will say right up, I knew, I am not a technology person. I do not do co the coding or the development. Um, I had this idea for probably about a year. And I, um, I remember I was playing around with it. I had all these notes of like, how was I going to do this? Was it going to be like PDF documents? Was it going to be a YouTube playlist? Like I was trying to find the easiest way to kind of, to um, create this product. And I then had a conversation with who ended up being my co-founder, uh, Sam, well, her name at the time is Sam Weber, but now Ugalava is her new uh, married name. But she um, is involved, was a in soccer player too, and also involved in the tech world and was like, mm -hmm. oh, well, I know a freelance developer. And so she, we launched the company together and she was hugely helpful to connect me with um, understanding like, okay, you need a developer. Here are some of the things you need to do. Here's how you build a website, like all the basic things that you need yeah. to do to start a business um, and to get a product made that I, was like another world to me. So that part of the process probably took about from my first conversation with Sam, which was in January, we ended up launching in October. So uh, yeah, a long time, but not, I mean, it was the very basic piece of technology, the first version. So it could have taken longer. <laughs> no, I'm actually, I'm surprised that it didn't take you longer because I mean, I feel like Oh, that's just like way over my head. Like you said, I'm not have no idea about developing an app or anything like that. But when you when you first launched the app, like did you like what was the library of videos? Like was it pretty small or did you already have kind of a, a big library of videos? Yeah, so I would say the the content piece is what I, I started working on well before that. And I spent a ton of time filming. I mean, there was one off season of my pro season where I was like out filming hours and hours each day. Um, and the lucky thing for me is that I could demonstrate a lot of the drills. So like mm -hmm. I did call in other people, other pros to help. And over time, I definitely want the drill library to incorporate others. But for me, when you need to get a ton of ideas into video format, like it's best if you could just do it yourself. So I literally have my tripod, my mm -hmm. iPad, my phone as a second angle, another camera. And um, I by the time, uh, we launched, I had a significant drill library because I didn't mm -hmm. want to have to be stressed to create that stuff as time went on. Mm -hmm. um, and for those of you who are unfamiliar with the product, I create a weekly training session each week that I basically pull from this drill library that I had created. And since that time, I've certainly added to it. Now there's, it, it's pretty substantial. It's definitely over a thousand drills. Um, and most of that was done, I would say, the majority of it was done before the company launched. Mm -hmm. The product itself when we launched was very bare bones, but the drill library was pretty established. <laughs> no, yeah. I'm sure like over the years you've had, you know, lots of updates to the app and changing things and making everything more streamlined. And I, even now, like you guys are adding the goalkeeper sessions and the, 
the indoor goalkeeper sessions. And there's just, every time I look on there, it's like, wow, there's something new in the strength training, which I was so excited to see that because now I used to give my girls the strength exercises. And now I'm like, Hey, go do a, go do your technique strength exercises. And they love it. Like every week I'm like, Hey, do you go want me to give you exercises or do you want to do it on technique? And they're like, I want to do it on technique. So I'm like, okay, that's awesome. Like less work for me. And, and I think they're awesome. So I'm like, I appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. My, my yeah that's the idea though, too, is that like, hopefully coaches, you do what you do with them in person, you inspire them to do it, but then you can outsource the rest. And that's kind of what we, we work very hard on is always making sure there's plenty so that the players can be self-sufficient on that part of things. And then trust their coaches for the group stuff, the, the mentoring, the motivation, all of that is like certainly important in, in person, but everything else the players can do on their own. Right. Like I've seen a huge difference since we started working together with me giving them homework to do on their own. And it's like, I don't really know if they're doing it or not. Whereas now when they're using technique, I go on there every week and I can see who's training and we create these competitions. And there's one girl, I wish I could look, but she has like a 63 day streak. And like, it's, it's amazing how much she's trained. And, and so I know that my kids love it, but what is like your favorite part of seeing kids using it and getting better from it? Like, what is the most fulfilling part for you? Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I think, um, I didn't quite like when I was a kid, I consider, I always joke and I joke with my like best friends and teammates, like we're all a little psycho, like anyone who really takes this upon themselves and is going to train on their own and do this. You, you got to have something a little like crazy up there. <laughs> um, and, and like for me to see um, all the little psychos out there and, and I mean this in the most loving way possible, but like the players who are have, we have somebody with over a thousand day training streak oh and uh, players who are, training like so consistently and are will email us in a panic because they're going on a cruise and they don't have wi-fi and how are they going to do their training and like just i think to see like how uh people have attached themselves to it is really really rewarding for me because it's how i've always felt about the game like there was a period of time where i did not miss a day of training i trained every day to the point where like i would be in a panic we were going on vacation i would have my mini ball or something and i would <laughs> find my time to do it and it was like kind of stressful but in a positive way uh, and so to see other players um, embodying that same like passion towards they need to do their training and they're super serious about it and they're really dedicated and consistent, I think is is very, very cool for me. So I always joke, I say it's, it's our little family of psychos. <laughs> it's so funny because yeah, I'll look at some of their, like the, the, the main leaderboard and I'll be, oh my gosh, like how do they train that much? Like, do they have a life? But it's just about, you know, being consistent, which is so cool. Um, so like you talk about like owning your development, like own your development. You talk about that a lot, right? So how do you teach, I guess a two part question is how do you teach players or like, what would you say to a player about how to own their development? Yeah, I think, um, the main thing is that one, you need to understand like what your goals are and what it takes to get there. So a lot of players say like, oh, I want to play professionally. Like if I go to a clinic, I say, who wants to play for the national team? Everyone raises their hand. But the reality is like, do you understand what that looks like and the body of work that goes into getting you there? That's number one. Um, and I think that the having that vision and the understanding of what it actually takes and like we said earlier, it's not four hours in any given day. It's a body of work over time. You're going to have to spend the next 20 years of your life committed to getting better every single day. And I think having that understanding is number one. And then the second part is, um, you know, for players, have, letting them to understand that 
you're not gonna have all the answers and there's not one right path, but like the resources are out there, mm-hmm. whether it's the Techni app, whether it's a expert for strength and conditioning, whether it's somebody to help guide and mentor you and you're going through an injury and you, uh, you need physical therapy, whatever it is, like the, the expertise is out there now with the internet and YouTube and everything, like it's all public. You can, you can mm-hmm. search anything and find somebody to help you. Um, you can find players who have done what you're trying to do before, who live in your area and have made it to the top level. And so I think owning your development is about having that understanding, like the goal and the understanding behind it, but then sourcing the assistance, like nobody does it on their own. So what I, what I, um, I hope that the players understand is to have, you have this vision, you have a clear understanding of what it takes, but then it's about like piecing it together as you go. There's no, like, you can't draw out the whole roadmap Mm-hmm. from start to finish, you figure it out as you go. Right. And then what would you say? So I'm sure you get a lot of coaches that come to you as well and ask you, like, how do I motivate my players to train on their own? So what would you say? Because there's a lot of coaches that listen to this as well. What would, what would you say to coaches who are trying to figure out how to teach their players to train on their own and own their development? Yeah, I think it's twofold. And this is actually with technique, when we work with teams and clubs, this is part of what we speak to them about is like, okay, so your players have access to the resource, but how do you, uh, yeah, how do you motivate them? And how do you build momentum with this and make it part of their soccer experience that they come to practice? Well, usually not right now, obviously, but they come to practice a couple of times a week, they have their game on the weekend, and then that they do this on their own as well. And I think a big part of it is it's twofold. It's one, having the players understand what to do. So have the ideas and the creativity to think like, okay, well, I need to pass. I need to work on passing and receiving, but I don't have a partner. Okay. Well now I can find a wall or maybe a curb or like the creative thinking. So helping to spark the creative thinking and then by showing them ways to practice things Mm -hmm. and having them come up with ways as well. So they're not just following a plan. They're thinking like, oh, well, I know my weakness is this. So maybe I should do this slightly differently to, to kind of cater to my own needs. So there's that. And then I think it's also about allowing the players to understand a clear expectation. And this is what we really work with coaches on is a manageable expectation. So to just go tell players, hey, go train on your own. That's very ambiguous for a kid. Yeah. Like they don't know what that means. But if they understand, I'm supposed to spend between now and next time I see my coach, I'm supposed to spend 30 minutes working on something in a focused way. Well, now they can go and they can do that. And with the Techni app or not, they can actually record it to make sure they were diligent. They met their 30 minutes. It's reasonable. We're not saying hours and hours, Mm -hmm. but so they understand how to train and how much they should be training in a very specific way. And that will allow them then to really, I think when players feel that first like inkling that they can make themselves better, then they get hooked, but it's about helping them to, to get hooked. Absolutely. And what, what changes have you seen, if any, since, you know, COVID, have you seen changes with players training more? Obviously, I know a lot of more teams have been reaching out to you, but have you seen a lot of positive changes with kids using techniques since this has been going on? Yeah, I mean, our, our usage is is significantly up uh, during this time with one, like you said, teams and clubs have reached out and and got on board. We've signed up a lot of groups during this time, but then also players are logging a ton of time in the app. And I think the important thing is it is positive, but what I'm hoping will happen from this is that players will gain an understanding of how to do this on their own, because it's not, you don't just need to train it on your own when you can't train with the group. This is what you should be doing all the time. So obviously the volume will go down a little. You're not going to be training an hour every day on your own but maybe you're doing an hour a week throughout the week when you're back with your team so if we can 
use this time to teach players how to have that creative thought process and how to understand to how to train on their own. My hope is that it can continue and be part of our soccer culture in this country, you know, moving past this time. Yeah. And it's something that like, if they can develop the habit of consistently training on their own now, like hopefully, obviously in the summer, they don't have school, they should still be training a ton. But once, you know, school hits in the fall, like hopefully they've instilled those habits to where they know every day they go out there and, you know, juggle for 10 minutes or whatever it is. So yeah, I think we'll definitely see a drop off, but hopefully at least the serious players, they're going to continue to use it because they've, they've learned what it takes, you know, and, and what to do. So I love that. So kind of my last question for you is what is one piece of advice you would give to an athlete who wants to make it to either the call, like a high level college team or the pro level? Yeah, I think my, I have two pieces actually. I mean, that wasn't the question. I'll cheat and answer with two pieces of advice. (laughs) One is I kind of mentioned this earlier. It's like you need a clear picture of what your goal looks like. So it's easy to say you have a goal, but like, what does that look like? Go watch a college game in person, train with, ask if you could do a training session with a player playing in college. Same thing with pro. You want to play pro, go to a pro game, go see if you can watch a pro team train. Like you need to have an image of where you're trying to go. It's like, if you're a painter and someone says, paint a penguin and you've never seen a penguin, like you can't possibly recreate it. So you have to have the clear image of what it looks like. And the more you can see it, the more it will reinforce for you what you're trying to do. Um, and then, then I think secondly, like I mentioned as well, is what gets players to the top level is what they do well. So yes, you should try to be well-rounded, work on your weaknesses, but at the end of the day, figure out what makes you different. Like what's the, what is the value you bring to the team? Maybe it's you have an awesome personality and you make everyone laugh and you have great energy. Maybe you're a workhorse type player, a great tackler. Maybe you're amazing at heading and you score on headers and corner kicks all the time, or that you're a great distributor of the ball or can beat someone on the dribble anytime. Whatever it is that you do well is what's going to get you to the top level. It's not going to be your weaknesses. Those hopefully won't hold you back and you'll work on them. But I think identifying what makes you special is really, really important. Uh, and that will be what takes you to the next level. I love that. So first one for a little recap is clarity. So you got to know where you're going. Right? And the second thing is to find that special thing. Like for me, it was heading. I wasn't that great at anything else, but that's what how I got recruited was my heading. So find something that you're really good at and be the best at it. So I love that. Thank you for, for sharing that. So where can people connect with you and with Techni Football and learn more about Techni Football. A lot of people already have it, but if they don't have it, where can they go to, uh, to learn more about Techni? Yeah, so I'll, I think I, I'll spell Techni Football and then I, we can also, I think my name will, I'm sure, be on this. So I know my name is complicated, but if you look up uh, T-E-C-H-N-E-F-U-T-B-O-L on social media or you go to technifootball.com, um, there's all the information there. We're really easy to get in touch with. If you contact us through the website or anything, happy to answer any questions, but yeah, I think social media and our website is the best place for technique. And then also, uh, for myself, I have social media and I have a website where I've, uh, have a blog that I, I need to write more. I haven't done any recently, <laughs> but I have a blog that might be interesting to players or coaches or people kind of going through this process and on their own soccer journey. And, um, If you do spell my name correctly, you probably won't find too many others with the same name, so you should be able to find me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'll make sure to post. I'll post all the techni stuff and your stuff on all the social media channels. So thanks, guys, so much for listening. And Yael, thank you so much for coming on. It was an absolute pleasure. And um, I will talk to you guys on next week's episode. Yeah, thanks. I enjoyed the conversation.